Here's Desert Diaries. Hello. Arizona calling and oh, look at that. Fancy seeing you here. I know it has been absolutely ages. So how have you been? Oh, really? Well, you're looking great. Me? Not much. All right. See you soon. Bye. (laughs) I'm joshing. Oh, what a few months it has been since we last spoke. Everything and nothing has happened. Do you know what I mean? Where has time gone? The adventures in accents being an English person here in the United States has continued (laughs) still nearly four years on now. Visiting a friend in another state, I walked up to the receptionist of the place I was staying who said, oh, when she heard my voice, where are y'all from? Phoenix, I replied with a hilarious smirk on my face. Oh, nice, she said earnestly. Um, not not originally, of course, I said. Oh, really? Yes, I said, I'm English. My accent's from England. Oh, she said, I didn't realise. I haven't been to Phoenix. I don't know how they talk down there. (laughs) I loved it. She actually thought that perhaps this is what people in Phoenix sounded like because she'd never been to Arizona. Brilliant. Fast forward a few weeks, I'm taking my daughter and her friend to see a gig at the Cardinal Stadium. That's the place the Super Bowl was held a few days ago here in Arizona. More on that later. And I'm queuing up amongst the 10 billion other cars trying to get a parking spot before the gig starts. Now, I was feeling pretty smug because I had been organised enough to prepay for parking. It's about $25, I know, on top of the concert tickets. But I therefore did know that I had a space. But still, it took absolutely ages to get in. As I said, about three billion cars in the line. It was quite tedious. After about 20 minutes, I suddenly thought, oh no, am I in the prepaid line or am I in the still need to pay line? I wound down the window when I saw an attendant. Oh, excuse me, I said, being very polite. I'm just checking. Is this the right section for the prepaid parking as opposed to the still need to pay for parking? He looked at me and smiled. Well, howdy, ma'am, he said. How are you doing? Oh, very well, thank you, I said. You know, apart from all the other cars, I'm just wanting to check I'm going the right way. Have you got VIP parking, ma'am? He asked me. Oh, no, I said. No, 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 just the normal parking. I think VIP had been about $75. Just the normal parking. Can I see your ticket, ma'am? I held my ticket out. Well, that looks like VIP parking to me. Oh, no, no, it's not, I said. He interrupted me. Ma'am, I'm pretty sure that is VIP. He then winked at me and said, I could listen to your voice all day. (laughs) Right this way, ma'am. And he lifted up the barrier and there I did, glided past the gazillion other cars into this teeny tiny full of select areas of really fancy cars. And I kid you not, when I say it was virtually at the front door of the stadium. It was so close. My daughter's friend was absolutely agog. You got VIP parking just because you're British, she said. Does that happen a lot? Oh, yeah, my older daughter lied. All the time. (laughs) Tell you what, though, I was back in my car and back on the freeway after that gig finished. I think before the lead singer had even got back to his dressing room. Oh, what bliss. Last fall, as they say in these parts, awesome to you and me, we had a lovely trip to Palm Springs, actually, as my dad was in town, finally taking a trip that he'd booked back in 2018. (laughs) 
He decided to do a tour of some of the USA's national parks, Yellowstone, Mount Rushmore, Bryce Canyon. And he'd had this plan for ages, finally booking it in early 2018. And this trip actually ended with a day at the Grand Canyon and then a coach back to Phoenix where you'd then fly out back to England. I so remember saying to him, oh, I've never been to Phoenix before. (laughs) But we're thinking of going and visiting my friend Ian in June of 2018. Well, you know how that all turned out. Well, Dad had booked the trip early, but the trip wasn't due to take place until 2020. Oh, wonder what happened in 2020. So it all got pushed back and back and back and back and back and finally rescheduled for September, October 2022, by which time, of course, we'd not only visited Phoenix, we'd moved to Phoenix. So hooray, serendipitous or what? He managed to put his return flight back a couple of weeks and hooray, we got to see him. In other news... We'd also booked tickets to go and see Pet Shop Boys and New Order. Again, I think it was booked back in 2019, one of the first things I did after we moved here. Due to see them in 2020, blah, 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 COVID, COVID, blah, rescheduled October 2022 just at the time dad was here. So we decided to make a road trip of it, heading out into the desert to California to Palm Springs. Now, you've no doubt heard of Palm Springs as kind of the playground of the stars. It's the place that old Hollywood would go to escape the madness of LA. Stars like Spencer Tracy and John Wayne, Errol Flynn, Frank Sinatra, Bob Hope, you know, and then stars later on as well into the 50s and 60s. They'd go there because it was, you know, a dry heat, the cool desert breeze, good for their health. But according to the city, there were many other reasons why big stars flocked to Palm Springs. And that was basically to go and misbehave away from the prying eyes of the Hollywood gossip columnists. Now, 70 years or so ago, even LA was very puritanical, very, very different time in America. And stars lived under the watchful eye of the kind of morality police. Now, if you had an extramarital affair or, heaven forbid in those days, an accusation of being gay, it was guaranteed to end your career. But word started to spread that there was a desert oasis, a place where you could go without fear of being scrutinised. Well, why didn't the gossip columnists follow the stars out to Palm Springs, you might ask? Well, they actually would only get travel expenses reimbursed up to 100 miles. Palm Springs is 107 miles from L.A., So now you have a city with a wealth of absolutely gorgeous and stylish mid-century modern houses, which are amazing to drive around. And they have a number of open days every year as well. And there's still a very large gay scene there. So it's very beautiful and inclusive place to visit. It's a great atmosphere there. Very laid back. It's wonderful. We rented a teeny house in the nearby Desert Springs. And then after a couple of days, Dave and I left Dad and the girls and the dogs. Yes, full bingo card of responsibilities. Gone. Left them there to enjoy themselves and drove the, well, as you now know, 107 miles to LA to see Pet Shop Boys and New Order at the Hollywood Bowl, a place I'd visited once before as a really small child in 1981. (gasps) Oh. Oh, it was an amazing gig. It was unbelievable. I have loved Pet Shop Boys for many, many years. I used to get the train from the Midlands and spend hours walking up and down the King's Road in Chelsea in London, praying to see them as I'd read in smash hits that they used to buy clothes from a shop called Boy. I never did see them. 
Until years later, when I was living in London and a friend took me to see the Pet Shop Boys musical for my birthday. We'd sat up on the mezzanine on the second row and the seats in front of us were empty. Yes, I was so pleased to have an uninterrupted view of the stage. But then literally seconds before the curtain came up, a couple of people shuffled in. Oh, so annoyed. That disappointment you feel when you have a free seat next to you on a plane, only for someone to come and sit down at the last minute curses. But then I realised the tall person now partially blocking my view was Neil Tennant, lead singer of Pet Shop Boys. I was beside myself for the whole first half of the musical, desperately thinking of something really witty and memorable to say to him so that we would instantly become the best friends I always knew that we would be from the age of 15. The interval arrived. He stood up to leave. I gently touched his arm. I think you're amazing! (laughs) I ended up blurting out. So erudite. Oh, thanks very much, he replied in his Geordie lilt and swiftly left. He didn't even return for the second half. Our friendship remains unfulfilled. Oh, well. New Order were also terrific. And I had this really strange moment when I was singing along to Love Will Tear Us Apart in the warm LA evening air, remembering visiting the house in Macclesfield where Ian Curtis lived. And then I remembered seeing New Order introduced by Tony Wilson as the band who invented pop music way, way back at the MEN Arena. And then Hooky coming into my BBC Radio Manchester show. And now here I was. And I had one of those, blimey, my life has changed. (laughs) Real moments. After seeing some friends, we drove back to Palm Springs the next day and then home to Phoenix along the I-10 Interstate Road a couple of days after that. About halfway home, as you head through the Sonoran Desert, you come across a sign for the Ironwood State Penitentiary. The prison's only about a mile or so south of the interstate. And then brilliantly, just past the sign for the prison, about 100 yards later, there then becomes a succession of signs featuring one sentence in large capital letters. Do not pick up hitchhikers. (laughs) Really? I can't give you a roundup of Arizona life in the last few months without mentioning the midterm elections at the end of last year, because once again, Arizona became the focus of a completely bonkers political storm. Now, the midterm elections in the US do what they say on the tin. They are the elections that are halfway through the presidential term. So presidential terms are four years. Two years after the election of the president, you then elect a large number of government officials from Congress to the Senate, as well as some other big jobs in the state, like attorney general and various other senior roles. And in some states, the governor is also re-elected during this time. So yes, Arizona, along with 36 other states, chose a brand new governor. So it was time to say goodbye to the man himself, Doug Ducey. Now, the elections, the midterms, are often used as a kind of temperature check on how the nation feels about the president and his administration. If more representatives of the same party as the president are elected, it's seen as a thumbs up. If the needle swings the other way, a thumbs down. Now, historically... The party in office doesn't do as well as the opposition. It's kind of ever been thus. But this time, the right-wing media had been announcing a red wave for months, predicting the American people were so let down by Biden's presidency, Democrats would lose all their seats, the Republicans would control both Congress and the Senate and render Biden and the Democrat Party severely weakened. I'm oversimplifying a bit, but you kind of get the gist of it all. Red wave is coming is a phrase I heard time and time and time again. 
And guess who was back? Oh, yes, the great orange leader announced that he was going to announce, sort of, that he would run for president in 2024. He didn't officially announce until after the midterms, but there was lots of teasing on his part. Although, of course, he still claims he didn't lose in 2020, despite, you know, all the facts and evidence. So... If he's still president in his head, how can he run again? Anyway, I digress. He immediately endorsed a bunch of very good people, the best people, to take major roles up and down the country. Now, this led to a number of more moderate Republicans, the ones who weren't screaming that the election was stolen or making up some culture wars, failing to be selected as the GOP candidates by the party themselves. And the more extreme far-right candidates, Trump-endorsing election-denying candidates, they got their name on the ballot. Now, Senator Mark Kelly, the Democrat ex-astronaut whose wife, Gabby Giffords, had been shot and severely injured by a deranged, disgruntled constituent when she was a congresswoman about a decade ago, was up for re-election. And there was an array of Republican candidates vying to be his opponent. The party finally chose Blake Masters, a 36-year-old venture capitalist who was on tape discussing bans on contraception and criminal charges against doctors and nurses who performed abortions at any stage of pregnancy in any conditions. Now, he did roll back and kind of tone down some of these beliefs as the election approached, and I think it was quite clear that he wasn't going to win. He denied that he'd said quite a lot of these things, despite there being video evidence around. And this was the man who was endorsed by the great orange leader. Now, in fact, all of his roadside billboards carried the slogan, Trump endorsed Blake Masters. Now, when he officially lost to Mark Kelly, he accepted defeat, congratulated the senator, and for now, has moved on. I'm sure, however, we will hear from him again. Not so much for the governor's race. (laughs) Now, the Republican candidates for governor in Arizona. (laughs) Where do I even begin? Where do I begin? Okay, let's cut to the chase. Moderates didn't stand a chance. The candidate chosen by the Republican Party to be governor of Arizona, anointed again by the orange one himself, was a woman called Carrie Lake, an ex-TV presenter with no political experience at all, who kind of exploded onto the scene with absolute fury over the stolen election, the Democrats allowing all the criminals in at the border to kill us all, pretty much all the usual culture war guff, take your kids to church, not to drag shows, because that's what everyone's doing, clearly not. She would scream this into microphones and on social media time and time and time again. And, you know, I can't help but think that if many of her supporters had grown up watching Christopher Biggins dressed up as Widow Twanky in pantomime each year, (laughs) they would see children's drag time story time rather differently, right? I mean, drag, like any type of entertainment, operates on many different levels. And showing videos of drag shows in adult nightclubs at 2am and saying, this is what we're showing our children. Of course it's not. I've got some news. Adults often talk and act in different ways when children aren't around. (laughs) Who knew, eh? There is so much toxic nonsense still abounding. And you know what? It's infuriating, but it's also really upsetting because it's causing such unnecessary division and kind of diverting everyone's gaze away from the really big issues. Now, especially frustrating 
When you consider that Carrie Lake actually had loads of close friends who were drag queens, who then went to the press with photos of them on holiday together and videos of them at Lake's small daughter's birthday party performing. But again, we've seen this time and time again against the kind of extreme parts of politics. Facts don't really seem to trouble the rhetoric of a MAGA Republican and clapping back with any kind of <gasps> evidence. It's just a waste of time and energy. So you can imagine the days leading up to the election, things got pretty tense as grown men dressed up like pound shop action men, but with actual semi-automatic weapons, stood guard in front of postal ballot drop boxes all around Phoenix because Ms Lake had told them those Democrats are going to try and steal the election again. Drop off sacks of fake ballots just like before. No evidence. Multiple lawsuits failed, blah, blah, blah. And people, ordinary people did get pretty intimidated. And yet these morons in camouflage, sitting sipping out of army-style canteens on lawn chairs, were deemed real Americans, real patriots by those MAGA loons. I mean, it's just madness. Anyway, story for another day. You can easily Google the full thing. Come election day, some of the ballot machines had printer failures. And despite every single person still being given the opportunity to cast their vote... It was all the ammo that Carrie Lake needed to scream election fraud. It's been stolen from me. And once she inevitably lost, she then, of course, refused to concede, grifting millions of dollars off gullible souls to pay for her legal fights, all of which were lost or thrown out of court and so on and so on and so on. And the needle returns to the start of the song and we all sing along like before. I mean... It's just exhausting. Democrat Katie Hobbs won the governor's race and Doug Ducey left a note of congratulations saying that he was only a phone call away if she ever needed any help for what he said is the most rewarding job out there. In contrast, my father, frothed Lake, told me that if I lose, I shake the winner's hand and walk away with grace. But I didn't lose. So it's sad that she's continued to dupe so many people. And you just wonder, when will it ever end? Who knows? But we've got about 18 months, of course, until it all starts kicking off again. In drama closer to home, I woke up about 4am a week or so after Thanksgiving and thought, why is Dave in the shower in the middle of the night? Huh? I walked out of our bedroom door, which is on the ground floor of our house, and, oh, no, the ground floor was about three inches under water. I stumbled into the kitchen blinking as I put the lights on, most of which then flickered and went off because, oh no, the kitchen ceiling was now on the kitchen floor and there was a Niagara Falls style waterfall gushing down from what used to be the bathroom floor. Oh no. At this point, both the dogs trotted in. Oh hi, morning. (laughs) Great to see you. You're up early. What? Now you wake up? Now? Because there's a chance of food? Absolutely useless as guard dogs in any way protectors. Both girls also slept through the lot, despite the bathroom being much closer to their room than ours. Once we'd got the water off and I started clearing up all the bits of plaster and dust and mess and sludge, just after 5am I started, I put the last bit of plasterboard into the bin at 8.45pm. Ugh. Turns out... A plastic nut, which connected the pipe to the loo, had cracked and mains water had then pumped into our house for, I'm guessing, at least an hour or so. Do you want to guess how much that plastic nut cost to replace? Seven dollars. 
Three months on, we're kind of nearly back to normal. We've had to replace every single bit of skirting board in half of the upstairs and all of the downstairs because they're made of a kind of twigs and sawdust material which falls apart as soon as it gets wet. Normally, that's okay because Arizona. But, you know, not so good when you get a flood. Carpets also completely replaced. Bits of wall and obviously the whole ceiling and such fun. We had a lovely, quiet family Christmas without a ceiling, though, where I ate my body weight and various kinds of potato. It was great. And then we spent New Year in Mexico, which seems incredibly far-flung and exotic to me, despite the fact I can now drive there in about four hours. But it's still amazing. We were a little bit further into the country on the Riviera Maya. And I can tell you, if you've never spent New Year in Mexico, it is brilliant. Utterly chaotic, utterly joyful. And just the perfect way to shrug off a year that in so many ways has been bloody challenging and at times downright awful. And start a new year with real hope and excitement. The only gutting thing about our trip is that we arrived home to find two bonkers dogs, a grumpy lizard, a variety of fish, who knows what they're thinking, and just one cat, Mark. I'm still too upset to really go into why our beloved Carlos was not at home when we got home, but needless to say, I'm not buying the yarn spun to us by our house sitter. I'm not sure how a nearly 16-year-old arthritic diabetic cat managed to dash out of a door so quickly and get so far away in the space of two minutes that he's never seen again. But needless to say, we were gutted. Carlos was born under our bed in our little house in Manchester, And I kind of wanted to be there with him until the very end. And now, we'll never know. Oh, I miss you, Carlos. But you march on, don't you? And we're lucky. There is so much to look forward to this year. Catching up with old friends in Vegas, baby, in just a few days. Heading back to England for some work in March. And then again in April for, well, something else. I'll tell you more about that in a moment. Last week, Phoenix played host to the 57th Super Bowl. The Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Philadelphia Eagles with Rihanna performing the halftime show. Loads of people have got in touch with me to ask if I was going. (laughs) No, I'd love to experience it. Tickets start at $5,000 and head up, get this, to $36,000 a ticket. Quite the day out for a family of four, right? I've heard tales that some mega football fans actually have little savings funds that they start really early on in their life, just on the off chance their team makes it to Super Bowl. I don't doubt it. How on earth otherwise would you ever afford to go? You can imagine the city was gripped in a Super Bowl frenzy with prices to match. The most basic of hotels that usually sell their rooms for $60 a night were charging upwards of $800 a night for the same room. I really should have been more organised and opened up a temporary B&B. Just don't mind the big hole in the ceiling. Here's your breakfast. (laughs) So instead, we bought pie and stayed in. So there I am, sitting on my sofa, watching Super Bowl Even though I understood about 20% of what was going on, I could still tell it was a really good game. I was sitting there wearing my Paul McCartney t-shirt, because the Beatles, and there is a break in the play. Let's look at which celebrities are at Super Bowl this year, says the announcer. Oh, yes, lovely. Okay, there's Adele. Nice. She looks like great. Yeah. Oh, Jay-Z. Where's Beyonce? She stayed home to put a wash on. Fabulous. Okay. Paul. Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney! 
Paul McCartney at Super Bowl. Super Bowl that's down the road from my house, Super Bowl. Paul, my house, so close. So can you believe it? Despite me inviting him over for a brew via Instagram, within seconds of him appearing on the screen, did he come? No. Never mind. Ringo is in town in May. There's still hope. So aside from shivering in the Phoenix winter, which really is a lot colder than you would think, I've been filling my time doing something I never really believed I would ever do. (laughs) And now I'm seriously starting to doubt I can actually do it. Running. I've been running a lot. Why? Well, if you follow me on social media, all the links are in the notes to this episode, you will already know. But if you don't know... I still can't really believe I say these words out loud. I'm running the London Marathon. I know. You've never really thought of me and Paula Radcliffe or Mo Farrett in the same breath, of course. But yeah, me, Sam Walker, who loves an evening sitting on a sofa eating a pie as opposed to actually getting out and running. Always pick lust for sport at school. Never run more than 10k in my life. But yes, for many reasons I won't go into right now, I am running the London Marathon. I suppose... Like anything, if there's something that's always been there in the back of your mind going, "Mm, do you think you could ever do that? You've got to give it a go, right? You've got to try it. Some people aren't lucky enough to give everything a go that they would really like to do, especially if they live with something like breast cancer, which is why I'm running the London Marathon for a charity called Breast Cancer Now. Now, as I'm sure you know, because I've talked about them before, you know, so many people I know either had their lives really radically changed or lost their lives to breast cancer. My colleague, Rachel, my cousin, Sarah, my really close friend, Emma's sister, Abigail, my auntie, Lorraine, my really close friend, Ian's lovely mum. All these people had breast cancer come into their lives and it changed everything. And Breast Cancer Now has got a vision to make sure that by 2050, everyone with breast cancer lives and lives well. And that's amazing, isn't it? So if me hauling myself around London in a haze of smiles and sobs and uh, fear can even help a little bit towards them achieving this goal, I've got to give it a go. So... I'm quite a long way off my fundraising target, but if you can spare anything at all, I know times are tough right now, but if you can find a quid down the back of the sofa, I would so, so appreciate your help and support. Link, as they say, are in the notes to this episode. Thank you so, so much. Better get me trainers on again, eh? I'm doing lots of regular running slash falling over. I have fallen over quite a lot. My knees are like those of a five-year-old child at the moment. But I'm putting everything on Instagram, at Sam Walker Radio. I'm much more active these days on Instagram than on Twitter, just FYI. Although I do attempt to put some photos on Facebook as well. Facebook.com slash see you in the desert. But at Sam Walker on Radio, you'll see a lot more snaps. So thank you so much if you've donated already. Thank you so much if you can donate. If you can't donate, any little word of encouragement or support is so, so welcome. I really do appreciate it. And I'll keep you updated if I don't keep falling over. (laughs) We'll see. But until then, I'll see you in the desert.